Okay. This is this this is exciting because like the big thing for me about this is you're not the most enthused person about Dream Theater, but my big thing is he had to put something high up. So I want to I want to know, <laughs> you know, I want to know if, if you know mine mirrors his. Yeah, that's that's like actually a good way to start. I'm going to start the episode right there. Hello, everybody. Remember us. We were the kids that yeah. had, a, had a report due on space, and then we got the new Encyclopedia Britannica. That's that's an American reference. I don't think that commercial was over there. And you were you were yeah. even, you weren't even alive at that point anyway. <laughs> that was like every every uh, morning during like morning cartoons or whatever. There was this there was an Encyclopedia Britannica commercial already on a tangent, yeah. folks. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> there, where there was this kid. And like it was a voiceover talking to him, but he but he was always like you know I I have a report to do, and it's you talk about finding all the information in the encyclopedia. But then there yeah. was like an up, there was a follow up that I see that I feel like was on like every day, where the kid just looks at the camera and goes, "Remember me? I'm the kid who had a report due on space, and then I got the new Encyclopedia <laughs> Britannica." And then the over the the voiceover goes. He had a report due on space, and, and then he goes, <laughs> and then he goes. I think I made that abundantly clear. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know why that just burned into my brain, and it was like that's childhood right there. I just saw it so many times. I think my favorite um, ad from that era that you've ever sent me is the "You, Your Friend, and Your Johnson." <laughs> that one fucking cracks me. I never actually saw time. that one on TV, but that was yeah. that's that's one that was pointed out to me later. I'm like, is this real? I'm like, oh yeah, Johnson Outboard Motors is a real thing. Yeah. Isn't um, that it, one of the lines is like "You, Your Kids, and Your Johnson"? It's yes. like whoa. Yes. <laughs> yes. <Hey-o." laughs> Saturday nights, distant lights. You, your girl, and your Johnson. <laughs> that's um, the best anyway uh <laughs> hi this is cranked and ranked and we haven't done one of these in a few weeks uh li- yeah. life got in the way we all had things to do um eddie's band played a festival i went to see metallica in arlington texas and you know th- you know sometimes you know we have we have lives uh but yeah. we're back to, and it's and it, I like it because it was almost like a cliffhanger. It's like you know we did the first half of Dream Theater, and then I'm all like, I'm gonna go back yeah. and listen to these other albums, and maybe my mind will change, and everyone's on the edge of their seat. Like, is old head gonna become a Dream Theater fan? I don't know. We're gonna find out as this episode could, rolls along. We couldn't have hoped for a better band for this to happen with, really, could we? Because like, they've always been one of those bands where I've been like. I know we're going to have to talk about this eventually, yeah. but I know that, you know, initially you were like, uh, I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, ex- I'm excited to see this, this top half. So, uh, so, uh, so yeah. So last time we did the bottom, is it, was it the bottom eight last time and this is our bottom seven. Uh, let's have a look here. Don't even remember. This is the top eight though. The top eight dream theater albums. Um, oh, by the way, old head Eddie Sparks. Yeah, that's that's us. That's who we are. <laughs> um, and this is Dream Theater Part Two, and um, this the this part will be about as long as one Dream Theater album. Yeah, really, the last one was or song yeah, or song, depending on the song. Yeah. Um, did you find it? What was it last time? Top set or bottom seven? I'm pretty sure it was. Bottom seven. It doesn't matter because 
Yeah. Uh, damn, shit. Yeah, now I'm thinking. I don't think I talked about that one last time. See, see, all it took was... Yeah, I didn't talk about that one last time, so it's all good. Yeah, number eight. eight we're, we're on We're on our number eight. All right, top eight of Dream Theater. So if you, if you missed out last time, um, I didn't really want to do this because it's a very daunting task. Uh, and I went into it, <laughs> and I di- I wasn't really that impressed. Um, aside from like the technical ability of this band, that is undeniable. It's like mm. I'm not going to argue that this band is is super talented dudes, um, very good at what they do. Um, it's what they do that I'm not really that interested in. But I had more time to go back and listen to this these top eight, and I put that shit off. I did not. I was just... Ah. I kept sitting down and going, do I want to go? Oh, I'm not in the mood right now. Yeah. But eventually I did go around, go back and and, and revisit these eight. Um, and funny enough, my, uh, my ranking didn't change listening to these eight okay. again. It's the same as it was last time when I, when I had put this together. Um, and... Um, I'm not going to say anything else. I want everyone to watch the episode. Um, so, what, do we have do we have any catching up to do? Any interesting stories from the time that you were away? I don't know. Uh, yeah, we played the Drunken Monkey Rock Festival up in Worcester. You nice. know, that's that's Sage. Sage. That's the band I'm in. Sage. Yes. Yeah, Sage. We, we got a Sage. We got a song Sage. on Spotify called Sick. <laughs> you know, everything starts with an S and has four letters. Uh, <laughs> Right now it does. <laughs> Stay tuned for their next song, Slut. Yeah, and Slow, Slug, uh, and um, Slot. Yeah. Oh, all right. Slit. Maybe, maybe. That's going to happen yeah, too. Slit. Yeah. Slit. Um, Soft. Shut. Soft. <laughs> Shit. Silt. Silk. Um, Shit. Uh, <laughs> no, I said shit. Oh, yeah. God damn it. Yeah. All right, that means we're done with this bit, ladies and gentlemen. Bit okay. is over. Um, so, yeah. So, that's, let, 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 I mean, because all I did, you know, the big thing I did was go to Metallica, and I did a whole long-ass video on that. So, if anybody cares, go to YouTube, and there's a video about my trip with my wife to see I need to, I Metallica. still need to watch that. It's in my watch later it, playlist. Uh, people are really to reacting to the to it to the rockumentary very positively, and I'm happy because I put a lot of work into it. Um, hmm. So uh, you know, but you know, I, I see other people's footage that actually got to be like down on the floor and stuff, and I was like, oh, their footage is so much better than mine. I had to like zoom in. There's one point where I <laughs> zoom in on Phil and Selmo, and he just looks like a blurry dude walking around, and I'm just like, <laughs> it's as good as I could do, guys. I couldn't I couldn't yeah. fork over the, all all that all that money. Although my wife did tell me. Um, that next time Metallica comes through, that we're going to figure out how to fork over for floor tickets, um, mm. or maybe something even more. I don't know. We were we were talking about like the the snake pit stuff and like everything you get aside from just being in the snake pit, all the extras. Yeah. And she's like, it's actually pretty worth it. And I was like, all right, well maybe next time, maybe we can do snake pit next time. I don't know. Um, anyway, they were great. Metallica is a great band, and uh, they mm-hmm. played one song from Saint Anger. I was very happy with that. Um, hey. <laughs> but uh, was it frantic? No, it was uh, "Dirty Window," which is my favorite. <laughs> ah, <laughs> so it worked, nice. out, it worked out for me. Um, they, they played they played at least one song from every album, and yeah. they played. Well, you saw them already do two nights, right? It was probably yeah, it was probably yeah. a similar set. They played almost everything from Lightning and Puppets. I think they left two songs off each album, and that's it. They played everything else. 
Um, mm. But anyway, 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 anyway. Where are we? Dream theater. Welcome to the dream theater where dreams die and <laughs> and fuck, I don't know. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it's uh, our our our, our uh, yeah, it's it's the top eight dream theater albums, okay. and Eddie is is a dream theater fan. So just like last time, he's going to be kind of driving this because he's he knows more about them, he likes them more, and so if you know for the dream theater fans, Eddie's like your ally, and then those of you who are kind of like, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on your side for this. So point counterpoint. Mm. Um, so uh, let's do this. Number eight. <laughs> Dream Theater album, Eddie Sparks. Okay, my number eight Dream Theater album is Dream Theater from 2013. Okay. So, uh, yeah, this one has kind of a special place in my heart as the one that came out just after I'd got into them. Mm-hmm. So, like, there was a bit of buzz and a bit of hype for this one, and I remember The Enemy Inside being um, a big thing. Um, and... Really, I'm I'm just going to jump straight in. False Awakening Suite, you know, is a surprisingly short opener for a Dream Theater song. I think it's less than three minutes long, mm. but it's kind of like this. It's kind of like an overture, but I, I, I don't know if it actually is an overture. Um, I think it's just like a, a fun little instrumental to kick things off. Then you get The Enemy Inside, which uh, is a cool song. But like I, I remember someone once pointed out to me that it has the exact same verse riff as Sudden Death by Megadeth. And now every time I hear it, I just can't unhear it. The rest of the song is its own thing. But yeah. like that like exactly the same. Which, and there are only two. Which one came first? Who ripped who Megadeth. off? Oh, okay. Me- Me- yeah, Megadeth was two years before this one. Got it. But, you know accidental plagiarism is a thing dave was saying i'm telling you he wrote everything he wrote all the songs and then everyone just rips him off yeah he wrote sandman load uh uh ecstasy of gold pretty sure he did that one too uh fun fact though um my girlfriend met dave mustaine at bloodstock Oh, which is fucking rad. Yeah, she, meet and greet. We have a. She met. A she signed. met. She met him. You weren't there, so you you, they, let, you left her alone with Dave Mustaine. I don't think that's a good idea. Well, here's the thing, right? Had it been any other band, but Ugly Kid Joe were playing at the same time, so it was like I came um, to see Ugly Kid Joe and Megadeth. So I was like, if I go see Dave, I won't see Ugly Kid Joe. But turns out she got in there, met him got the signed thing and was out pretty much within two songs of Ugly Kid Joe. So I was like, oh, <laughs> could have. <laughs> hey, but you got to but, see, you got to see two songs more of, Whit- of Whitfield Crane. So that seems like a yes, win-win. Exactly. Right there. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, it's a, that was really fun. Bloodstock was really fun. Nice. Um, <sighs> yes. Uh, yeah. I, anyway, as I was D- saying, sorry. <laughs> Dave's riff that Dream Theater ripped off. Uh, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, so but, uh, it, 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 it happens. The riffs like that are so, it's so easy yeah. to stumble upon that or there's like, so, there's only so many patterns. We, we've, yeah. we've also talked about this before. Like me as a songwriter, I know I've, I've known in the past that I've written a song subconsciously, not even remembering that's from something that I heard like 10 years prior. And yeah. then like when somebody would bring it up, I'd be like, Oh shit, that you're right. That was just in my brain. And I didn't know 
Um, so sometimes, yeah. sometimes it's not intentional. Sometimes it's just that's how the world of music songwriting goes, folks. I remember one time someone I was in a band with uh, came to a rehearsal and said that they'd been up all night writing this um, like progression. And I said to him, you do know that that entire thing is the organ part to Child in Time by Deep Purple, right? <laughs> and he went, fuck, that's where I know it from. Like, <laughs> Guys, this song came to me in a dream last night. Bear with me. It goes like this. Yeah. It's like that. I don't know where I got that from. It was like, it was like. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's, I've never heard that before. But yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, what, what do we got here? We got the Looking Glass. This song uh, is "Tell Me You Like Rush" without telling me you like Rush. Uh, yeah, Enigma Machine is a is an instrumental. Uh, another, yeah, another instrumental on this one, but it's it's a bit lengthier. Bigger picture behind the veil, surrender to reason. All cool songs. Um, Along for the ride is this big old anthemic ballad. But the song for me that just really pushed this album way way further up is the song illumination theory which is this big ass beautiful 20 minutes of like a, an absolute journey like they they have a select few 20 minute songs and like i like some more than others but this is this is a high point for me um and I love the kind of like really lovely orchestral bit in the middle mm-hmm. like even though there's like a really heavy riff at one point and then it goes into this really beautiful thing and then goes into a funky sort of edged thing but then if you watch like a live performance of them doing it with like a, a string section there's a really cool part where jordan rudis comes up with a guitar and does a guitar solo mm. and it's it is pretty it is pretty fucking cool i'm not gonna lie yeah like i i'm never not down for a guitar solo like <laughs> So yeah, you know that this one. It's my biggest critique of it is it's very compressed um, production. I'd say like that's the one thing that kind of I would mainly critique it for. But the rest of it, you know, songs wise, it, it feels pretty good to me. This this one, I I liked it. It's good, it's good middle dream theater. Sweet. For me. Yeah. All right. That that brings us to my number eight. So, like I said, I went back and listened to all eight of these albums again, and I listened to the I listened to them in the order that I'm going to be ranking them because I was just like my intention was I'll listen to the album and I'll you know I'll, I'll sort of you know see if my if I if I hear anything differently. But the more important thing is when I get to the next one, do I feel like this one's better than the one I just heard? You know, some things mm. like that. Um, and it ended up being that my that not only a my ranking didn't change, but b um, listening to all these again, I still am looking at the name of this album and I go, I don't remember what this album sounded like. So, um, <laughs> and that's the that's my problem with Dream Theater. And I brought it up on the last episode is that there's so much going on on this stuff, and I'm so late to the game that yeah, it's a whole lot to take in to the point where just looking at the name of a song or even a note that I would write isn't enough for me to really know what was going on. But Hmm. according to my ranking, my number eight is Systematic Chaos from 2007. Okay. 
Now, I know for sure this was one. There's a few where the it has a pretty bland production, and I don't really like that. Yeah, this one really... The production on this one really cost it a lot of spaces yeah, for but, me. But, That's why it ended up so low. Yeah, I just remember at the, the when I first was listening to the albums all the way through, um, I think this one follows Octavarium, and I just remember... Yeah being way more entertained by this album than I was by Octavarium. Um, hmm. And and it's the same, I, I have the same sort of, until we get a little closer to the top, I have the same things to say about all these because it's just like last time and I don't mean to repeat myself, but um, I'll be sitting there and I'll hear a part where I just kind of go, oh, and then I'll hear another part where I go, oh. And then, <laughs> but then um, almost... Every single album, there's three or four times where I'll be like, oh, what's the name of this song? Oh, it's the same song? Okay. Or or the opposite will happen. Well, I'll be like, man, this is a long-ass song. Oh, we're two songs later now. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> because it all blends together. And 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 I think that that's, that's a reason why it's so hard for me to grasp onto Dream Theater is because if you do so much in every single song, then when your song becomes a different song it doesn't matter that it's a different song anymore it's yeah it, it, and 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 the, you know granted there are sometimes that they do hone things in a little bit and you know but usually it seems like when they're honing things in that's when they want to do a really slow and kind of you know ballady or melodic kind of thing and that yeah. that to me is is not the places that you need to those are the places where I want things to be more complicated because I love slow songs, but I love it when there's twists and turns to the slow songs. Cause otherwise, you know, I'm, I got, I have ADHD or whatever and I get, I get, I'm, I'm just like, Oh shit, I gotta do something else. Um, but anyway, every single album has parts that I thought were fucking great. Every single mm. album had me going, God damn, the, the drums are fucking great. Or that bass is great. That guitar is great. The, my only, the only thing that I never really found myself complimenting in my head was the vocals. Because he's a good singer, but he really seems like you could just throw him in a pile of 50 other singers that sound kind of like him, and you would never be able to pick him up and out in a lineup. You would just be like... Mm. One of those guys is the guy from Dream Theater, um, but that's just that's just me because I also don't really listen to music that has that style of vocals, which I guess you would be calling that on the the power metal or uh, I don't know, yeah. you know, prog metal, you know, things like that. Um, I don't listen to a lot of that, and so a lot of the vocalists seem to be coming at things from a similar area. And not really varying things up, which is interesting because it's a band that is constantly like jumping from one thing to another. But vocally mm. speaking, it there he kind of just does the same shit a lot. Yeah, I feel like that's that's the like identifiable anchor of Dream Theater. Yeah, is, man, is, maybe he is like the guide that's trying to guide you through all of this chaos. He's just like, hey, you know, come with me. I'm yeah. the normal one here. <laughs> Yeah, he, he's the he's like the familiarity to remind you, you know. Yep, this is Dream Theater. Yeah. Um, um, so yeah, Systematic Chaos is 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 fine. It's a Dream Theater album, but not not one that I'm going to find myself. Honestly, there's really only uh, the maybe only my top three are ones that I could really see myself at some point going and revisiting. Um, but that being said, I my my gripes about these albums are not. 
You know, it's it's not like, you know, the the second half of the Misfits catalog where I'm just like, fuck you. This is yeah. more just me going like, ah, this isn't really for me. But I see the positive qualities of all of these things. So um, yeah. moving on that to... Was, that, that, that was probably like my hottest take of an episode ever, the Misfits one, you know? Yeah. Granted, um, I, you know... I know Graves is a bit of a proud boy, but those fucking... A bit. Those, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Those, those fucking late 90s albums, man. I don't know what it is. It's just... I think it's because they metaled up the production a little bit. Sure, so like, sure. But that that being said, we are talking about a wildly different type of band here. Yeah, Dream, Dream Theater number seven from Edward Sparks. Okay, so now I see this in, like, the list. It's kind of pissing me off uh, that my number seven is six degrees of inner turbulence. That would have been more aesthetically pleasing to me if it was number six, but, you know. Anywho, this is quite a highly regarded album in their discography. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's a double album, one half. Let's so be, like fa- let's be fair. Technically, all their albums are double albums. If you want to yeah, put them on vinyl, uh, <laughs> it's not yeah. going to fit on one. Yeah, it's it's more like having a big ass book on yeah. a on a shelf at that <laughs> point, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, disc one is a is like a five track kind of deal, and disc two is like a big forty minute epic song that's like kind of split up into lots of mini songs Mm -hmm. but it's all considered one big song so like there have been times where they've done it live and they do the whole thing start to finish that that kind of shit baffles me just be just not only writing something like that but then continuously playing something like that that's Mm -hmm. that long like that's yeah that's when you know that these dudes are just like the top of their game. Just like I would just get, I would get so lost probably at some point. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's uh, it's it's a good one. So it, this one here is. Uh, I'm gonna start with disc one. So let's let's do the glass prison. I'm kind of like kind of out of out of practice keeping my mouth going and and saying stuff that matters <laughs> uh yeah we need to get back to doing this weekly because my <laughs> my tongue is very aware it's in my mouth uh the glass prison is part one of the 12 step suite which is uh you know we the, talked the about five, that last time yeah, yeah so like mike mike portnoy did the 12 step program for alcoholism and mm-hmm. uh yeah, they, over the course of five albums, he did one song per album with like repeating motifs and things in there. This is the first of those, um, and it's a good, it's a good way to open the album. Uh, I particularly like that, like <laughs> the DJ scratch sound in there. Like I just thought, yeah, this sounds exactly like it came out of two thousand and one. But I'm not gonna lie, I like Limp Biscuit, so I'm never gonna complain about that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, to those Dream Theater fans out there who think they're above Limp Biscuit, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, that, that's the that's the interesting thing is that people people that know Limp Biscuit very well know that Wes Borland could play all of this music. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like actually probably the entire band. I don't know about John Otto. He's not he's not that kind of drummer. Um, but, uh, but, you know, guitar wise and bass wise, those dudes in, in, in the biscuit are, uh, quite talented, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Oh, here we have Blind Faith. Not to be confused with the Warrant Power Ballad. Um, it's a cool song. Uh, uh, you got Misunderstood, which is a kind of vibey track. The Great Debate. Stem Cells, am I right? Uh, <laughs> and Disappear uh, closes the first disc. Now, this is a this is good dream theater for me. You know, I, I, yeah. I listen to this album and, I, and I'm like, oh yeah, this is that song. I like that one. Um, but it's... I think the reason it, it got docked a few spots is because of the size of the album. When I picked up that five album like package, like five albums for 15 quid yeah. thing, uh, because it was by nature a double disc, it wouldn't have fit in there. So like it's all their 90s albums and Train of Thought. Uh, so they skipped over that one and put Train of Thought in its place. With that, I haven't really spent as much time over the years with this one as those. But disc two, I've I've listened to several times, and there's some great stuff on here. You know, I'll admit there are some vocal moments where I, where I think that was that was kind of cheesy, but okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, overture sets up the themes and motifs of this like epic 40 something minute song about to crash war inside my head each of these songs deals with a different character suffering from a different um mental either either illness or um kind of illness or disability that's why I know I have ADHD because you said war inside my head and I immediately thought of suicidal tendencies and then my brain goes oh we kind of do uh, suicidal tendencies yeah <laughs> no, I, every, honestly every time I see that title I'm like did they really cover no no they didn't yeah no. <laughs> <laughs> it'd be cool if they did though uh, it'd be interesting yeah you got the te- yeah you got the uh, the tests that stumped them all good night kiss they, like I said they all deal with different um, various you know, mental health related subjects. Solitary Shell, though, like, is the standout for me. And it's not even a heavy song. It's just a beautifully written, poppy sort of thing. But mm-hmm. it's like, it's very clearly that, that that this song is about a, you know, promising young child who suffers with autism. And it's it's just a really beautiful ode to that sort of thing. But yeah, you get like a reprise of About to Crash and then Losing Time and grand finale it wraps it up it's a really cool album and i like it a lot i just happen to like the ones above it more because i've spent i've simply spent more time with them so yeah got it um and that brings me to my number seven which will take us into the 90s um my number seven is, is falling into infinity from 1997 which okay. is their fourth album. Now, originally, when I did my ranking, this one ended up a little lower, even though I did enjoy things about it, because it followed Awake, which I really enjoyed. And so, ah. um, just not, not, to, not to give anything away. But... Um, <laughs> and also, on this one, I think, you know, once I was on album number four... I started to realize that their early stuff, you know, their '90s output for the most part. Hmm. My one of the things that kind of took me out of the music constantly 
was that they would do these different parts in their songs and so many of them would immediately make me go, oh, that sounds like that one band. Oh, that sounds like that other band. Oh, that sounds like that band. Uh. <laughs> so it literally sounds like a band that doesn't really have their own unique style. They're just really good at taking other styles and throwing it into their stuff. And that combination of styles is what makes them. But I'm like, well, that doesn't really work because I would hear riffs and go, that sounds like this or whatever. You know, it's just um, they're all very well done. But there was too much of me going that what does that remind me of because there's a whole lot of that on falling into infinity and i think they got a little bit better at sort of ironing that out as they went along um with sort of just sounding like dream theater even though they were still kind of all over the place but that was one in this album that i really for some reason kind of heard that and um but this is not not a bad album at all like there were there were plenty of moments that i thought were pretty cool and I think it's probably also because um, it seems like anytime we do a band like this that did put out albums in the mid 90s, I always seem to enjoy those. And I don't really know what it is about them, except for maybe it's uh, an, an energy that's brought to the music because I feel the like the, the changing of times, times, but also the uncertainty of it all. Sometimes you can hear it in the albums of a band that's like teetering on that 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 part of like, well, do we go with the flow? Do we just do whatever we want to do? And you can hear that struggle. And sometimes that struggle produces some really great music. Um, hmm. So I think that's probably a big thing with you know the the these mid '90s albums of theirs is that I. Um, I could hear that there was an energy that I don't think would have been there if they had just been complacent and been like already huge rock stars that were making millions of dollars. They wouldn't have made music that's this interesting, I don't think. But um, mm. anyway, Falling Into Infinity is my number seven. I I, uh, I did enjoy it. So that. That is the one album that always seems to move around my list. Like mm-hmm. it's sometimes it can be in the top half, sometimes it can be in the bottom half, but that's the that's the main album for me in this discography that always kind of confuses me because I'm like, how do I really feel about this? Because like I think to myself, oh yeah, they weren't really into that one. There was a lot of label pressure. They had they brought hit songwriters in desmond child for example maybe that's part of why it has that feeling to me of like i hear other things that sound familiar that aren't dream theater maybe it was the outside Hmm. songwriters and i think for for this album though i'm like it's never the one i reach for mainly when i think of dream theater yeah but when i'm when i'm doing a dream theater when i'm on a bit of a dream theater thing when i see this album i think to myself oh yeah there's there's that there's that kind of redheaded stepchild quirky album that they did in the 90s, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of their like run of first five albums. That's the one that sticks out to me the most because it's like, oh, my God, this is the one time they what they tried to go down the radio route. Um, kind of. Kind of. Yeah. 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 W- within within the Dream Theater pantheon of <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> radio. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a it's a cool one. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, so with that, I guess that brings me to my number six, yep. which is Black Clouds and Silver Linings from 2009. Okay. 
And this is the last album with Mike Portnoy on drums. And it's only a six-song album. But I, I'm pretty sure it's over an hour, which tells you exactly that it's a Dream Theater album. Yeah. Um, so, you know, <laughs> you know what's weird to think about? Jar of Flies has more songs on it than this. <laughs> <laughs> and that's considered an EP. But, um, yeah... Nightmare to Remember is like there's like borderline death metal sections at the start and finish of this song particularly the um the blast beat section at the end but you know it's it's a pretty damn cool opener it's like clocking in at 16 minutes so it's one of the longer ones uh but then you get Rite of Passage great song Desert Voyage riffs are plenty like kind of that eastern twinge to it uh, Wither is a big old power ballad. Uh, the Shattered Fortress is the fifth and final song in the 12 step suite, as we've discussed. Now, here we get the best of times. And this one for me is heart wrenching, is the word I would give this song. And it's. Is sadly a song that's become a lot more relatable than I would like. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, obviously it deals with, uh, you know, I, I, for, first off, I don't have cancer. So I'll just I'll throw <laughs> that out there. You know, we've, we've not been on hiatus for three weeks because I have a tumor or some shit, you know. But um, yeah, it's, it's one written by Mike Portnoy about his dad who during this album's creation was uh you know suffering from cancer and unfortunately ultimately died from it but it's just a a father-son ode really and it's a it's a really beautiful song um but yeah and, and you've also got the count of tuscany which is this almost 20 minute epic and seeing it live like people go ape shit when they hear that like intro but i mean this is a great song like in, in terms of 20 minute prog every moment is is pretty damn you know important mm -hmm. you know and you know it's it's in a genre where this sort of thing is kind of expected but i absolutely love counter tuscany this is an album for me that just i i suppose it just came to me at the right time where it was like okay i need another dream theater album pick this one up and i was like okay great song great song great song great song great song that made me cry great song mm -hmm. you know and it's like holy shit i i'm a big fan of this one uh I think as well, I think this was the second or third album where Mike Portnoy was given a microphone, and so he could do he could do his kind of growly kind of thing here, you know, every now and again. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it to me, it comes off like you could call it goofy, but it also just like sounds like he's having a great time doing this. So yeah. like, I can't knock him for it at the yeah. same time. Um, that and he's an incredible drummer and a, and a massive influence on me um not that i'm saying i'm anywhere near his level but you know all those kind of fills <laughs> yeah like yeah. that's just me all over you know if i that sort of thing 
Um, I'll throw one of those in every now and again when I see people, you know, looking at me <laughs> when we're playing live. But uh, yeah, Black Clouds and Silver Linings, cool album, and uh, me likey. So they, so you were saying, so he, they only got five songs into his twelve-step thing in his time in oh, doing no, theater. No, the um, he does like multiple steps per song. Got it. Okay. So it, and if I qu- if I quickly look it up, if uh, well, I was just curious as to if he finished it, because I was like, that's a weird th- thing to leave a band on and be like, hey, remember those songs from our history where we were doing the twelve steps and then I left or was kicked out or yeah, whatever happened to him. <laughs> it, it, here it is. It's it's um, we've got so the glass prison is reflection, restoration, and revelation. This dying soul from Train of Thought is reflections, uh, release. The Root of All Evil from Octavarium is Ready and Remove. Uh, repentance is Regret and Restitution. Uh, and The Shattered Fortress, which is the one we're talking about now, is Restraint, Receive, Responsible. Um, oh, my God. I've never I've never noticed this. You know, um, the spoken words on Repentance? I had no idea. Holy shit. Right, so the, you know there's that like spoken words section in Repentance from Systematic Chaos? I'm going to say yes. Okay. <laughs> turns out turns out that all of the guest spoken words sections consist of the following cast of characters. Corey Taylor, Steve Vai, Chris Jericho, David Ellefson, Daniel Gildenlow. Is it did I say that right? He's from Pain of Salvation. Uh, Steve Hogarth, Joe Satriani, Michael Ackerfelt from Opeth, Stephen Wilson, John Anderson, and Neil Morse. So they got interesting a hell of a lot of big names to you know do like that kind of spoken word section. But yeah, that's you learn something new every day, I guess. <laughs> so did everyone else here? Yeah. That being said, uh, back over to you for your number six. You uh, you mentioned this when we were going through the twelve step things. Um, now my number six is Train of Thought from two thousand three. Um, mm-hmm. Their seventh album. This one, uh, when I was originally going through the albums, this is kind of when I really got to the point where I, I realized I, I was I started to make the analogy in my head of Dream Theater's um, uh, albums being like pointillism style paintings that from far right. away it really seems like similar images that are just slightly different but if i really was a huge fan it's easy to you could just zoom in and be like oh shit there's a whole lot of different things going on here but for me it, it just it, it got too samey with the different shit which was frustrating but hmm. but with uh with train of thought there it, it all had to do with me with my vibe when the album hit the last track so the number of times that i was like yeah or the how long did this album feel did were there a lot of times where i was like that's fucking cool how many times did i go you know and so i literally tried to just put this together in my head <laughs> just from an enjoyment standpoint while music is playing um did, did i lose interest um were there things about it 
that I truly enjoyed? Were there things about it that I thought were too much like other things? And, you know, it's just all trying to work this out in my head when I'm trying to figure out what, what the ranking's going to be. And Train of Thought was one, you know, where it started. It, so I, I would have to say that that six, five, and four here are um, all albums where I really didn't know how to order them because there's I have similar vibes, which like I felt kind of the same way at the end of these albums where I was like, there's a good number of things on there that I enjoyed. But mm. there are these other albums that I remember specifically being like, I, this is good. Um, so so Train of Thought ends up here, and it's so weird because it's called Train of Thought. And trying to do my Train of Thought about what actually is on this album, it once again, it's just this thing where I go, I remember enjoying things about it. <laughs> and it uh, <laughs> um, but that's about it. It's it's It really is just uh, um, a lot to take in even 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 listening to it a second time you leave their albums going i i don't have enough time in my life to really get to mm. know all of this stuff um but i did but i enjoy i did i did enjoy a lot about train of thought so it ends up at uh, number six well the good news is uh that's my number five so i can just piggyback right off of what you were saying sweet um so this is without a doubt the heaviest album here this is the album with the highest focus on chunky heavy riffage yeah um above all else you know and you know as i am opens the album with basically a prog metal enter sandman um and it's it's a banger of an opening track and it's funny because i saw a thing recently <laughs> Uh, it was on TikTok. You know how people have been doing that insane stuff where they can like overlay AI voices onto like other yeah. other stuff. Yeah. Someone put someone put James Hetfield's Black Album voice over as I am. Oh, sweet. And it and it, I sent it to you. Oh, I did. I, I do yeah. remember that now. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, it, honestly, it it made me think. Holy shit. If if stripped back heavy dream theater was fronted by James Hetfield, you'd just have Nickelback, and it was like, <laughs> it was like <laughs> you know. And the the, the thing that struck you, me was I, there right? are so many dream theater fans that are so mad at you right now. <laughs> like, but but hear me out, right? Hear me out. Yeah. Like, you know that you know the song "Burn It Down," yeah. Like da 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 I've never had a beef with Nickelback. If I hear a Nickelback song come on and it's like one of their heavier banger ones, I'm like, okay, okay, yeah. And it's, but like the big thing for me was, I my ears were telling me this sounds like Nickelback. This sounds like heavy Nickelback, and mm -hmm. it sounded good. I'm not gonna lie, you know. But uh, yeah, I I could just I could just what's that? <laughs> Uh, I think one's outside my house right now trying to claw <laughs> in and get to me. Uh, <laughs> They're mad. They are yeah. pitchforks and everything. Yeah, torches and all. Uh, but yeah, anyway, This Dying Soul, uh, which is part two of the 12-step suite, is a big old chunky boy, comes right in, and 
It's it's a really cool one. I love that. Like that that riff in there. Love that. Uh, Endless sacrifice. Now this song has one of my favorite dream theater moments ever in it because there's like a little keyboard section that sounds like something straight out of a Tom and Jerry cartoon. And it's like, you know, and then just like goes back into doing like, you know, riffs and stuff. But I love that little part because I remember the first time I heard it, I was like, did that really just happen? And I actually had to do like a double take on my iPod. I was like, did I just hear that right? And like, the the big bing 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 on the on the piano just made me immediately think of like Jerry kicking Tom's ass straight down a flight of stairs or some shit. Yeah, and it's just every time I hear that song, <laughs> I mean it's probably really counter to the uh, <laughs> to the original intended thing. Uh, you I, know, you know vibe what? Of the song, but I feel like when some of these parts when they write them, they're probably sometimes giggling to themselves about how how. Yeah. over the top some of it is I, I they have to Do get you believe that. we get away with this yeah, yeah. that kind of thing yeah i, I like that mm-hmm. um honor thy father is cool uh vacant is the only real soft moment on this album stream of consciousness again is a cool thing uh and then closing it out we've got in the name of god which is just this epic crushing closer and you know i love all of that Phrygian Eastern melody sort of stuff in there, mm. and it's just, oosh. Sorry, I had a burp, and it just would not. It, it just, you know, when you got one right on the ledge, but you're talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I drew more attention to that than I maybe should have, but okay. Yeah, <laughs> train, train of thought. Yeah, that is my. That's my number five. Awesome. W- once again, um, just like with you, this didn't line up the way it was supposed to line up. Uh, but number five is Six Degrees of Inner Turbulence from okay. 2002. Their sixth album. So this was this was one one of the ones where when I, when I initially was listening to it, I was a little bit, I was still in the vibe of, of um, trying to pick out the songs that were standing out to yeah, me. You're going to have a hard time here. <laughs> and, uh, and, the, and the glass prison was like, was one of the, you know, there's a few albums where they do this, but they start off with a song that's, that's so, that's got such heavy riffs and is so sort of energetic that I kind of yeah. go, Oh, can we just do this the whole album? And they don't, but yeah. you know, but they, <laughs> but they do, you know, things like that from time to time. But, um, it's, uh, I, I, my one of my notes here says another absolute quality album of whiplash inducing highs and lows, which is wow, which is really how it is because I would find myself hearing something and going yeah, and then like before I even knew it, I would be like, all right, well this is kind of boring now, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, and the production on this album is a bit dry once again for me, but it's early two thousands. I feel like just early two thousands. You're most most bands. That's kind of what yeah. you're gonna get. Um, yeah, there's like a there's like a period of about like I'd say like maybe ninety eight to ninety nine to two thousand two to two thousand three, where effects and stuff were just fucked right off. Yeah. You know, it was just like dry 
dry, no lube. <laughs> which, to, which, unfortunately for me, in, in hindsight, makes a lot of those albums just sound like glorified demos. Um, yeah. So, but it is what it is. But to be to on this particular album, like I, I was already, you know, on my first listen, already six albums in. And apparently this album was so long to me that that was the last thing I wrote was like, this is really long. Yeah. <laughs> so because I, I think there were several times where I thought surely we're in the second half of the album and we weren't. Um, yeah. But once again, just like, you know, Tra Train of Thought. Was that the last one I talked about? Train of Thought? I think it was. Yeah. Train yeah. of Thought and this one and my number four. They're, they they all were in this middle area where I was enjoying things about it, but there wasn't enough sticking out that really said this one needs to go here and this one needs to go here. And then going back and listening to these, it was almost like I just felt the same thing where I went, yeah, there are some really cool parts here. Was this album better than Train of, Th of Thought? Maybe like a smidge better. Um, mm. But, but it, once again, it's, it just depends on w what the thing is that's sticking out to me. Cause sometimes, sometimes it's just a, a particular song that I'm just like, well, the, I enjoyed this almost entire song. So I'm going to give this a lot of weight here, um, mm. but it, it's good. Six degrees of inner turbulence. Um, I, and it's weird. Cause I don't know which one of these are ones that the fans are really into and which ones they're not. Um, but this is, this is one of the highly regarded ones as okay. far as I know. And I, and I yeah. get it. I get it. Cause it did have, um, aside from the production, it had a lot going for it. So that, that ends up being my number five. Okay. So that this might be, this one here might be one of the biggest gaps we have in our list. Mm -hmm. And my number four is Octavarium. Yeah. That was fucking last Which, episode for me. Yeah, and it might come off surprising, but th this album came to me at a time where I was kind of looking for... I was looking for something that was, like, heavy, but not, like, over-the-top metal heavy, in yeah. a way. Mm -hmm. And I guess this one just kind of had that perfect ratio of, um, you know, as much atmosphere and vibe as it did, you know, heavy riffs. And I feel yeah. like this one hit kind of a balance um you know with the notable exception of panic attack but um every other song on here kind of straddles that line between like progressive rock and metal you know mm -hmm. um and this one kind of uh, it, it took a step back on the heaviness like i say but root of all evil has plenty of awesome riffs in it it's part three of the 12 step suite um, but it's immediately followed up with The Answer Lies Within, which is a great, softer song. Uh, These Walls has like a little bit of that like late-stage new metal heaviness in there. I Walk Beside You is like if Dream Theater wrote a U2 song. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Panic Attack. To those who played Rock Band as opposed to Guitar Hero, uh, this song is a video game reference, but that's not actually one I had. Um, oh. Never Enough. Never Enough is a cool song. Um, Sacrifice Sons, 9-11 song, because it's the 2000s. Um, but Octavarium is a 24-minute epic, mm -hmm. and it's an awesome song, and I love every second. There's so many different parts in it, and I love the, I love the nerdiness of the presentation of this album as well. 
like everything is eights fives all of the songs are in ascending keys and it's I, I just see these I are really all things like that, that like just listening to it I don't I don't notice that so there are, those are details that I just I don't know and so um, but that is yeah. that is fascinating throwing things together like that well I remember as well that um, around the time that I got this album there was a really cool website up that was just like finding as many little Easter eggs and nuggets of information mm-hmm. in this album. And the way they laid it out was was really clever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, like, you go on the wiki page and there's a fuck ton of stuff about the, the presentation of it. But even for the black keys, they had, like, negative time sections, which were just like, oh, we've got a sound effect here that we're going to put in negative time. And it'll... Yeah, it's it's really cool. I li- I like that. Yeah, but um, I mean that's it, now looking at it the way it's laid out, it's just really cool. Yeah. I've I've always really appreciated something cleverly put together, and I think that's what really pushed this one up for me. But yeah, my number four is Octavarium. Nice. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because you mentioned Rock Band earlier. Is is this one of the few instances where we have not had a GTA reference anywhere in either of these episodes? I've never heard Dream Theater in a Grand Theft Auto game. Interesting. So it's one of it's I a, may have done weird. In, let me see, let me see. Was, I might Google this. I'm googling it on the fly. Okay. Uh, Dream Theater in video game okay, dream theater video game soundtracks god i love the internet man it's just everything's <laughs> so fucking okay so games we have rock band 2 rock revolution guitar hero world tour rock band unplugged we rock drum king god of war uh okay. apparently raw dog apparently that was in the blood and metal god of war game i guess so okay. ah I fucking knew it. Right, so I knew that there was um, like a GTA-inspired game called called Sleeping Dogs, and it had a metal section. Uh, it had a metal radio on it. It's basically a GTA, but you, you play as like the Yakuza or something, and there's a metal station on that. And yeah, uh, I think it's on the backs of Angels. Yeah, there we go. So it that. is in a game that I've played. Yeah, it is in a game that I've played. Look at that. We I gotta, didn't we have just gotta make dogs, sure. But I, I can't let an episode go with us trying to figure out how to work GTA <laughs> into the into the band. Um, Absolutely. I mean, who's to say there won't be in GTA Six? That's that's true. Um, so there, uh, my number four is now that now that we've reached this point, um, we're not matching up on our number four, but uh, we have the same top three. So it'll be interesting nice. to see what order they're in. My number four is a dramatic turn of events from 2011. Now, I don't know if maybe I went into wow. this. I think I went into this already knowing that Mike Portnoy was out and Mike, is it Mike Mangini? Is that his name? Yeah, that's Mike the guy. Mangini. Yeah. It, Mike Mark c- too Comes in on drums. <laughs> who's, who's fucking great. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I don't know who's. I think probably Portnoy's better, um, or or at least he seems more recognizable. I think, um, but uh, there was something about um, this album 
They, and I don't know it's because I knew they were starting over with a new drummer, but there was an energy to this where I almost felt a few times that there was sort of a pushing themselves a little bit further with certain things. Just, you know, kind of like when you break up with somebody and you, then you, you go out and you try to have the best time possible. And, yeah. and I, th- I feel like there was an energy there of them being like, you know, we're, we're forging ahead. Cause we, did we talk about this last time? Did Portnoy quit or was he fired or was it both? Portnoy suggested a hiatus Got to it. work on side projects, and it cost him his job. Got it. Uh, so he he went and became the drummer for Avenged Sevenfold on the Nightmare album, and I think the rest of the band. If you ever get the chance to watch it, like you know, I know. Obviously, they're not one of your favorite bands, but I highly recommend watching the. Um, documentary they did around searching for a new drummer because you just get to see these guys rehearsing with a bunch of big names and just shit hot drummers just trying to get it down yeah and um it's just a really fun really fun watch yeah but uh, mike mangini took the win because he's just an absolute beast yeah yeah um so so once once again even in 2011 i think the production on dramatic turn of events is kind of weak um and mm. Some of it does seem very same old, same old, but I think it's probably because you bring in a new drummer and you're all, not only are you trying to push yourself forward, but at the same time, you want to assure the fans, hey, you're still getting a Dream Theater album. So that, I think, pigeonholes you a little bit as well. But there was just a really cool energy to this album that, that whether or not I brought that on or not, I don't know. But I, I found myself really enjoying things. And maybe it's because I was kind of picking apart the drumming because I was like, let's hear what this new guy does. Um, mm. and, and I and I was I was impressed. I was impressed by the whole thing. Um, I it, once again, this is one with the other two albums I just spoke about that I feel could just kind of be interchangeable because they all have things that I enjoyed, but not enough to really have them stand out. Um, and some of it, you know, gets a little muddy in the brain after a little bit. Especially at this point, yeah. when I was listening to them all in a row, I was just like, yeah. <laughs> you know, all right. But, um, but yeah, I did. I I thought it was cool. I thought it was a nice sort of uh, continuation of the band, just being like, well, yeah, we have a new drummer, but you know, we're not slowing down, and I, I, that's always kind of cool when somebody who not only is integral to the band but also a, a recognizable figure leaves a band, um, and you continue ahead, and you're able to be very successful. Uh, with still putting out something enjoyable, so I, I give them some props for that. So that's my that's my number four, um, which leads us to the same. We have the I the, yeah I believe we do because I don't think you talked about this next album for me. Um, so I, I have not. So um, I think we have the same top three. So this will be fascinating to see if we match up at all with these. Um, that's okay. I, that may, I actually makes me feel better. Because I came out of this going, did I really give this the attention it needed? And do I really understand what they're doing? But the fact that we've come <laughs> together with the same top three makes me go, okay, maybe I did kind of get it a little bit. So yeah, that's comforting. There, there is there, there is a definite um, trilogy of albums, I, I think, personally. You know, some would maybe put one of those a little lower but for, for me i'm 
100% on board with these three. Okay. So let's do it. Let's find out. Num- it's time to find out if we match up too. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, my number three is Metropolis Part Two from 1999. That's hey! also my number three, Metropolis Part Two. Scenes from a memory. From a or, memory. Or a memory. Yep. Or a memory. Yeah. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, so this is a concept album uh, building off of the song Metropolis Part 1, so The Miracle and the Sleeper. It's important for me to interject there real quick. That part of it alone, was I was already ready to hate this album. Because I was like, yeah. concept albums can get fucked for the most part. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or as the, what's that one? I was trying to remember that video. And I don't know. I don't know if he's is he Australian or from New Zealand. What country he's from? But it's just a TikTok where the guy's like, "Pink, get done," because <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's, ti- he's tired of pink, like a lot of us are. Um, yeah. But so, but like, I was gonna, I was thinking that in my head when I go, you know, uh, concept albums get done. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. So, but but funny enough, like I found myself really into this and i was like well that's interesting um yeah it's probably because i didn't feel bogged down by the uh by the uh concept so keep continuing yeah so like i was saying it it builds off of uh metropolis part one the miracle and the sleeper and i think the the fun part about this is that they only called it metropolis part one as a joke like to to take the piss out of like prog rock convention um, which really, ended which up really like, is, is kind of well. Wait, what, what album was Metropolis Part One on? That's on Images and Words. Yeah. Okay. So never. Maybe it was before Rush did it because Rush did that same kind of thing too. Um, yeah. But now I'm thinking, did Rush steal that from Dream Theater? Because I don't think that was until well, later in the '90s they did that. I might be wrong. Maybe it was the '80s. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, like I was saying, um, so this. I believe the concept is like a dude finds out that in a past life his like soul belonged to a to a young Victorian girl who was like murdered or something. Uh, I think that's like the the basic outline of the story. But yeah, so this deals with like you know it's this uh, regression track one is this tender kind of prelude, which you know is structured as like a like a hypnosis or a meditation with a therapist guy and then it just gradually you know eases into an acoustic song that kind of sets things up and then you get overture 1928 sorry it it wouldn't have been fucking victorian times in 1928 will yeah kicks she's called victoria that's it that's where i was fucking things up there we go. We're back. We're back. Pulled, <laughs> that was great. I'll pull this up. That was a yeah. great trip into your brain right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's 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 the cogs getting oiled with some WD forty. That's what that is. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it kicks into the prog metal zone on track two, which seemingly seamlessly transitions into strange deja vu with excellent effect. Um, through my words is like a short ballady interlude, which again seamlessly transitions into fatal tragedy most of this album you could argue this album's one giant song oh yeah i didn't um, even i didn't even know sometimes i this is one where i would look over and be like wow we're already at five or six like i just i didn't it didn't even occur to me 
Yeah, yeah, this is a good one. So by the time you get to Fatal Tragedy, um, this is a really cool song, but the guitar solos at the end, like dueling with the keyboards, are just face melters. It is an absolute Petrucci Rudis showcase. By this point, this is the first album they have Jordan Rudis, their current keyboardist, on. Okay. Um, because they had uh, Kevin Moore on the first three albums and Derek Sherinian on Falling Into Infinity. So this is the first of the long-running um, Jordan Rudis. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Through Her Eyes is a gorgeous song. Um, you know, it's it's not metal by any means, but it's a really nice piano-led late 90s percussion song. It's beautiful. Home, now, I am all over heavy music with sitars in it. And Home does that a lot. Mm. And I fucking love it for that. And it might be my favorite song on the album. Um, Dance of Eternity is the legendary instrumental with 104 time signature changes in it. And the um, audition song. I didn't bother to count. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's it's a it's a journey. I remember that was kind of like if if you knew even parts of that song, it was impressive. Back in you know college, mm. between all of my like metal friends, it was like, hey, do you know how to do that cool hi hat bit? Like, like all of the cool handwork and stuff. Um, but yeah, one last time is a kind of melancholic track. Uh, Spirit carries on is a pretty ballad. And finally, free is this like big old epic closer, and it's just a it's just an excellent prog metal album. It's just as far as any band goes, this album is damn good. This was uh, this was in our, your uh, top ten for the our nineteen ninety nine episode. I remember that. Well, that that was before we went to top ten, so that was, oh, was top, top five. five. Yeah. 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 So th- this this was uh, this was in my top five. Still is, possibly top three. Yeah. Um, mm. I I really enjoyed it, which was interesting because coming at it knowing it was a it was a, a concept album, um, I f- I found it fascinating that it's a concept album, but somehow it felt way more focused than a lot of their other albums. And um, yeah, <laughs> and I think I kind of I needed that from dream theater. And I feel like maybe that's part of why I don't connect with a lot of their stuff because it seems like it, it's not as focused as I would like it to be or not focused on the things that I enjoy, I guess. I don't know. Um, hmm. But uh, um, my only thing is obviously 1999. I'm not in love with the production sound on this album, but it didn't hmm. really like once I got into it, it, I didn't care anymore. I was kind of enjoying where they were going with the songs hmm. and um yeah, I, I, it's 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 pretty damn good album. Like it's it's really one that did have plenty of parts where I thought about it later and was like, I, I think I might have to go back and listen to that one, um, that one song or whatever, you know, just because there there were things on it where I was like, that was pretty fucking cool, and um, yeah, a lot more pretty fucking cool on this than there had been, um, for you know, for a lot of other their other albums, obviously, because it's in my top three. But um, yeah, it's you know it, it's it's enough of a of a praise alone to say that it is it's a concept album and I like it because really when it comes to concept albums I can only think of like 
two that are full concept <laughs> albums that I like, you know, the, the, the wall. Um, well, I was going to say the wall is going to be one of the operation yeah. <laughs> mind crime. Um, be, because like with rush rush, I guess rush kind of did concept albums, but they weren't an entire, they were a bit looser. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I don't, I wouldn't really throw any of their things in, even though you, you know, there, there are albums that you could throw a concept at, but I can't really think of others that, I I really enjoy, um, and so kudos to Dream Theater for putting together something where I was like, shit, I don't even care that there's a concept. I just really, I uh, really kind of enjoyed the ride of this one. So, it's my number nice. three. Cool. Let's let's find out if we have the same number two. All right, shit. I got my notes all ready now, to go. I'm gonna preface this by saying, on any given day of the week, my one and two flip. However. This is how it's landed as a result of a coin flip. Mm-hmm. And my number a two is okay. pretty much, yeah, images and words. Yep. Also, my number two, images and words. Hey. Not, 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 not due to a coin flip, because my number one is legitimately, I think, a very cool album. So, um, so Im- wow. but images and words... Um, I mean, it's the. I think it's the their best known album, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's the one everybody points to, where it's like classic. You know, yeah. everybody comes together and everyone's like, "Yeah, images and words, unfuckwithable." Yeah. How? But you know, that's that's the way it is. Pull me under is their biggest hit. Great song. Um, now another day. The balls it takes to have your <laughs> I know, second. I know what you're yeah. saying. <laughs> right, right. You ready? Yep. Now, now you could turn around and say this ain't metal. This don't have no balls. But on the flip side, the balls it takes to be a metal band and have the second song on your album have a Kenny G style alto Dude. sax solo on it. Dude, like, because there's a vi- there's a music video for this song. Yep. And yes, there is. The first time I heard this song, I laughed my ass off because it's not yeah. it. It's not good. Like it's very well played, but it's so fucking funny. That and I know they probably didn't mean it that way, but I, I literally giggle every time the fucking sax alto sax whatever the kind of sax is that comes in. <laughs> It's so, yeah. it's so just like you guys, and I they they, yeah. I, they had to have giggled when they put that together. I hope because it's, the, I I enjoy that aspect of it, but it is silly. It sounds silly. You half you half expect it to be followed up. I could hardly believe <laughs> when I heard the news today. Yeah, yeah. Um, but you know. It, as a big Michael Bolton fan, I'm going to turn around and say I've got absolutely no problem with that. Um, but here's a song I'm going to I'm going to talk about that I think I'm guessing you liked a lot is "Take the Time," yeah, which is funky, rocking, proggy goodness. Yeah, the, anytime know, anytime they throw in stuff that feels a little funky, um, you know, I'm yeah. always I always enjoy those parts. Those are always the the yeah the part I love yeah. I love you, you throw in some groove, you know, I love it. Wait a minute, hold on, breathe. Just let me catch my breath. Yeah. I've heard the promises. I've seen no mistakes. Love that. Love that whole part. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, surrounded. Major keys in this style work. You know, it's 
kind of power metally, but it's also done in a way that's just so surrounded is that song that i always think as campy but i can't deny the quality of it as well yeah um but metropolis part one for me is the album's highlight if 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 dream theater was a final boss this would be their theme you Mm -hmm. know uh under a glass moon awesome riffs in this song uh wait for sleep is a really pretty piano ballad like really lushly textured keyboards which lead very nicely into learning to live which you know that piano part is reprised in but i still get chills when the when the ending of learning to live closes the album out you know that like those harmonics and bit mm-hmm. yeah it's just so it's so cool man like i love this album so much i remember the first time i got it and i listened to it from start to finish and i thought wow this is this is something different this mm-hmm. is like metal but fancy <laughs> yeah yeah um so so with that over i guess yeah. if you have you you talked about images and words you, no. you you do your yeah i'll do i'll do my little spiel um my, the big thing for this album for me, there's two things. The the no, number one is nostalgia. I have a lot of mm-hmm. nostalgia for my Headbangers Ball era of music. Um, I start yes. I started religiously watching Headbangers Ball probably somewhere in 1990, and then by 91 and 92 on on I was hooked on that show. So any music that was part of that. And Pull Me Under was very featured on Headbangers Ball. Yeah. Um, I really, I really like it. And so there, I, I went into this already with this sort of nice feeling of nostalgia with this album. Um, and this is one of the ones that I had previously already heard anyway. Um, yeah. But also coming after. What's the fucking first album called? When Dream and Day Unite. When Dream and Day Festival. Unite. So obviously James Labrie or how you pronounce his name on vocals yep. co- comes in here, who I, I I agree is an improvement over the the first vocalist, but also the production is better, and I feel production's really good, and I feel like the things I didn't like about their first album, which kind of felt I don't know, like they weren't quite there yet. I feel like mm-hmm. this is what this is the we're here now kind of albums. Um, even though there still are things here and there that I go, that reminds me of this other band and stuff like that. But I feel like this is truly like them f- fully being like, well, here's here's who we are as a band. And um especially I think, you know, Pull Me Under is just a fucking amazingly well written song. It doesn't need like the like I, like my my history with that song is the video edit of the song, and yeah, to me the song doesn't need to be any longer than that because it's already a fucking mm. great song. Um, so I like that. Overall, I like I I liked the variety of songs on this. At the same time, um, the production and just this sort of like. It's almost like hearing an album like this is a way for me to go back and revisit a time that I miss and hearing something relatively new because I haven't heard this a bunch of times. And so it's nice to revisit it because I can only listen to, you know, uh, I, I don't know, fucking 
uh, vulgar display of power or uh, you know, albums that I've heard shitloads of times. Sure, there's still a nostalgia yeah. there, but I'm not really getting much new out of it. But coming back to an album like Images and Words, I was just like, yeah, th- I re- I'm really enjoying this vibe. And mm. um, um, yeah, it, it is one that I would I would go back and listen to again. But but to be fair, it did still have a little bit of cheesiness here and there. And um, some little before we get to the, our number one, the reason why my mm-hmm. a big reason why my number one is my number one is because the, when listening to Images and Words, I went there are these little tweaks that they could do and I would love it. And then they did those little tweaks yeah. on the next album. So we can, we can move right in to um, our joint number one dream theater album. Beautiful. I, I was hoping it would go this way. Uh-huh. The, the joint, the joint trio ranking at the top. I love yeah. when this happens. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Awake is an underappreciated masterpiece in my in my book. Is it underappreciated? Because I, like I said, I have no idea. I just think this is a really good album. I think it depends on who you talk to. Uh-huh. Um, I've kind of like scrolled through the rankings of like other sites and stuff, and I've seen it as low as like ten, and I'm like, come on, dude. Mm-hmm. Like, but. For, for some, it's like top three. Yeah. Some, it's like a mid-tier album. I've not seen anyone call it outright bad, but, you know, I, there's those that love Awake and those who are indifferent. But Well, that, that's kind of interesting for us because it's, you know, we're, we're not like, you know, Rain and Blood, number one. You know, <laughs> we're not yeah, yeah. We're, it's, we're not picking that album and putting it number one. Um, so, uh, uh, yeah. I always like when that Absolutely. happens. And, you know kicking things right off you've got six o'clock and the amount of time i invested in just learning that opening fill mm-hmm. like like the when i got that down i just that was my go-to show off beat so i'd be like show me what you can do yeah i'd do that um but the grooves in this song are just so cool there's a lot of cool changes and the the kind of melodies in it are weird in a in an infectious way, but I love them, you know. Yeah. Um, Caught in a web is um, really showcases that they've moved to like seven string guitars. Um, a because it's nineteen ninety four, but you know, I love the the reverb heavy mix blended with the chunkiness. Yeah. And I think if more. If more modern metal did the production approach that Awake did, I might be much more into it. But it's it's that spaciness I I enjoy yeah. in a rock mix. Um, Innocence Faded is a great song. I love that they do you know those major key uplifting parts. Uh, Erotomania is an instrumental, uh, but it's also the beginning of a three song suite in this album. So this is part one. And it does kind of like a like an overture of a few things that would show up, uh, and then you get voices, uh, and it's the song I think of when someone says nine eight time because that riff is just burned into my mind from learning how to play in nine eight, um, and it's also part two of said three song suite. Uh, and then the Silent Man is a is a gorgeous acoustic song which I absolutely adore. Uh, they do ballads well, 
Um, yeah. The mirror. Now, now here's the thing as well. The mirror and lie is a is a two parter as well. So the mirror is like, you know, part one of my favorite chunk of the album. That that ding 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 like the chugs mixed with the atmospheric keyboards. Yeah. I, it, it makes me kind of sad that Kevin Moore... Like, I love Jordan Rudis, don't get me wrong, but it makes me sad that Kevin Moore bounced after this album because there's just a a way he approached the keyboards that was so atmosphere-driven yeah, as opposed to um, Widley Widley. Uh, Lie should have been a much bigger hit song from the album because this was the album's like main single, and I adore it. I don't even remember the singles of this album at the time. I didn't, I don't think yeah. I ever saw a video or heard a single. That it this this isn't an album that I even knew about in '94. So, yeah, there's a music video for Lion. It's 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 really cool. It's just them in in New York, I think, like being driven around and playing, and yeah, it's really cool. But uh, it should have been a much bigger song. Lifting shadows off a dream is beautiful. Absolutely love, you know, absolutely lovely song. Scarred. Uh, if bluesy Steve Lukather did a prog metal song, absolutely love it. There's this like subconscious thing in my head that every now and again, Dream Theater will do something that makes me think of Toto, or Toto will do something that makes me think of Dream Theater. Mm-hmm. Even though they approach things completely differently, but there's like sonic things that they'll do that makes me think, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. that could that could go either way. Uh, and then finally, you've got Space Divest, which is a dark piano ballad closer sort of thing brought to the band by um kevin moore and it's kind of fitting that this is the last song because he left after that but you know i just i fucking adore this album dude Mm -hmm. like i've always been a champion of this album if this one isn't first it should at least be number two yeah yeah i uh i oh you've said a lot of the things that are why i like this album i like the production sound on this album I, on images and words, there are certain parts where I was like, it would be cool if they could get a little heavier at times. Yeah. And then there are other parts where I was like, it'd be cool if maybe they moved us slightly away from the power metaliness. And I feel like they did just enough of those things on this album, where sometimes yeah. it's it's easily heavier and other and other times the the parts that would seem kind of cheesy, it it wasn't the same. There's something about it that felt a little more serious on this album. And maybe that's just how I, how I heard it, but I was, um, to me that, you know, this was, I feel like this is some of the heaviest shit they did. They did, did heavy stuff on other albums, but there's stuff on this album where I'm just like, I feel like this is some of the heaviest shit I've heard. Um, mm. not, not in general, but for dream theater. But, um, I, the, if I, if I had a, a gripe about this one, it's literally just the gripe about dream theater as a band. And that is sometimes I think they sabotage really good shit by trying to include too many things. Um, mm. but once again, if they take that out, is it dream theater anymore? So I don't, I don't know. I'm wrestling with that in my head, but there are parts on this album that I wish they fleshed out more. And mm. sometimes they they'll they'll take you somewhere else and come back to a part that I think is really fucking cool, but other times it'll just be abandoned completely and I go, "Well, maybe I like the maybe it's better 
that it was abandoned. And so it just lives in this one section of the song. But for the most part, I, I was just, I was really impressed with how engaged I was with this album the whole way through. Even the softer songs, which the softer songs usually take me way out, um, especially mm-hmm. if they're too long. Um, because if you do a, a ballady song or, or a really mellow song and it's over like four minutes, I'm I'm just like okay, I gotta go do I gotta go do the dishes, I gotta do something. Um, but awake, re- yeah, awake really is the one that I'm like I I I kind of want to go and listen to this more more times just to um see if like if there's going to be a gateway album where 10 years down the road, I'm going to go, Hey, remember when I wasn't really into dream theater? And like, now I really am. If there's an album that's going to kind of kick the door in for me, eventually it's probably going to be me listening to awake again. And then me going, fuck. Yeah, let's go. Let's do it now. So I'm not, I'm not writing them off in any, in any way because the, I, I have my gripes about them. But I mean, I have gripes about bands that are my favorite bands of all time. Any episode we've done, I'll I'll nitpick at something. Yeah. But I yeah, well, Wake is get it was easily number one because I really felt, especially listening to it again, that I was like, yeah, if any album is going to lead me into Dream Theater, uh, Awake is going to be the one that does it because it just has all the things that I like about Dream Theater. I feel like they kind of did it the best here. Um, yeah. So for sure. So yeah. I mean, but but once again, I could also see other kind of dream theater fans that this isn't enough for them. Um, so, mm. but I, I I like it because it's not it's it's not like these are simple songs or anything. <laughs> no, <laughs> <You know>? no. <laughs> so, um, but it's uh, yeah, it's a really enjoyable album, and um, it it is one that I completely missed out on in '94. I was '94. I was listening mm. to fucking Cannibal Corpse. I was not listening to Dream Theater, so I wasn't. Uh, yeah, I wasn't jumping onto this album when it came out. But you know, uh, if there, but I'm glad we did this just because I can now point to this album and go, uh, I I, I kind of get it on this one. So nice. Yeah. So that's uh, well that 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 wraps us up for for this. Uh, month long <laughs> dream yeah. theater where we started and then the, we end a month finally finishing dream theater um <laughs> so of course as we always do we have to celebrate our ending of dream theater uh by singing a little ditty that goes like this three two one yeah, yeah! We, did we did it, it! yeah <laughs> That was the bass. Anyway. Um So yeah, that's uh that's stream theater. Yeah, uh, and um, and unfortunately, it, it's not going to have the same effect that Toto had with me because I, you know, I can, I'm not going to. I don't. I don't see myself running to buy any of these on vinyl. Um, okay. But uh, but I did. But I, I, there are things I enjoyed. Um, uh, mostly, I just enjoyed the conversation because it's kind of cool um, listening to these and then hearing you talk about them and you point out things that I'm just like. Yeah, you. I came at this from from a very different perspective of of 
what I normally want from a band and or normally want from my music and my songwriting and everything. Um, yeah. And so it's 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 cool hearing your thoughts on them as well. I think as well, like I wasn't I was kind of. I was learning to be, you know, a musician in the in the still in the early stages of like really learning how to do certain things on guitar and drums. And it's yeah. like, oh, wow, what's he doing there? Oh, I want to try that out. So it was really it was it was deep diving into dream theater was a good way to learn like tricks and stuff and be like yeah. oh that sounded cool yeah um but we've got now we're back on track we've got quite the uh quite the roster planned out for um because is will it be september by the time this episode comes out the this will be out september when does september start i don't know this is gonna uh, come out on wednesdays what date is wednesday Let's have a quick look at the calendar. Okay, so... Welcome to this portion of the episode where we look at the calendar. Okay, so it, it'll be the 30th, so you'll have two days of summer cranked and ranked, and then that's... Then we're into fucking autumn. Or oh, I mean... Fall, if, if, where, you guys. Where, where I am, it's summer until December, so I mean... Yeah, true. <laughs> <laughs> then, then we finally get to fall. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, but yeah, and we've got so we've got we've got other bands lined up, but also um, as we talked about on a previous episode, we're do, we're kind of interjecting more of our other sort of either you know seeing our sidebar or uh, doing a year or doing a uh, grooved and removed or yada yada um, or, or slashed and mashed slashed and mashed. Yep. So we're gonna be kind of. Uh, peppering in those things in between bands uh sometimes we might do two bands in a row but um yeah but um really it's it's kind of just keeping things fresh for us uh because it does get kind of daunting especially when you have a busy life to be like oh this next week i got to do another discography so it keeps us able to come at you guys with another episode uh without us feeling bogged down and getting burnt out and then all of a sudden cranked and ranked is just over because we we just can't stand to think of each other anymore. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I could never get to that stage. This is no, like, you're right. I couldn't yeah. either. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, Even if we were talking about the most like random dog shit topics, I couldn't get sick of this. Yeah. It's like a weekly I, therapy session for me. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I agree. And, and so next week we, we have a sidebar seeing our sidebar and yep. it's going to be um, talking about movies again. But as you, as mm-hmm. usual, they are movies that have a lot to do with music, and we'll also be talking about soundtracks and and whatnot. Um, whether or not that episode will be next week, I don't know. We haven't had that discussion, but we will. Um, Should be. Should be a. I would. I would think so. We will. We'll, I can we'll, carve out a couple evenings. <laughs> that'll be. That'll be uh, thrown your way asap. Um, but yeah, join us for that. Um, I'm looking forward to it. They're both movies that I love. So, um, yeah. but we, we I'm not going to give any hints cause fuck it, whatever. Um, but dream theater is, is, is over and done. And, um, I appreciate all the peanut butter platypuses out there, not only for being patient with us, but also for being here the whole time. Um, yeah. and if you're, and if you're for some reason, a new peanut butter platypus, that just means that you're somebody that actually watches, a bulk of our content. Oh, we have mugs that say peanut butter platypus on them. Yeah. Um, on my YouTube, if you go to the little store, 
Um, you know, you'll see shit there. Um, anyway, so yeah, the, the, the PVPs, they're the ones that, um, even the shit they're not really interested in, they, they watch it cause they just, for some reason, get a kick out of us. And I, I'm not going to argue with that. So, um, yeah, that's it for this episode of cranked and ranked. And as usual, the, the best way that we can ever wrap these things up is this right here. I'm really looking forward to whatever this is going to be that comes out of Eddie Sparks right here. But as usual, I throw it over to Eddie Sparks to take us out. First of all, stream sick by Sage on <laughs> your given uh, on your given uh, streaming platform. Secondly, Later, dude arrived early May. She carried a gift from her. Later, dude. <laughs> Amazing as usual. <laughs> <laughs>